Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rounding the Earth podcast. Rounding the Earth is a popular newsletter series published on Substack, written by applied statistician and educator Matthew Crawford. Topics of discussion range from critical analysis of conventional wisdom to Bitcoin and everything in between. And of course, more recently and ongoing, the COVID-19 pandemic. Our goal is a careful examination of important topics and perspectives shaping the world that too few people talk about. Subscribe to Rounding the Earth on Substack, Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin, and Locals to join a burgeoning research community and to help us unflatten the earth. My name is Liam Sturgis. I'm a musician, music producer, and writer slash editor coming at you live here from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I will be your host for today. And for this very exciting episode, as with all of our roundtables, I do not do it alone. Please allow me to introduce the author of Rounding the Earth and my co-host for the podcast, Matthew Crawford. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon, Ian, and uh, or good morning for you. Very much morning still, yes. What, what, <laughs> Thank you. What does Vancouver look like this time of year? So we had a brief period, and by brief period, I mean a day of heavy snow, followed by another day of heavy snow, followed by three days of that snow melting. <laughs> does, Basically. Does it, does it get particularly icy there? or uh, it, How close is your weather to like Seattle's? Oh, I think they're virtually the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're essentially the same. It, it can get quite icy because when it drops below zero Celsius, that's when it freezes and, um, it can, that's when it's dicey because no one here is prepared year round for snow. Cause some years we don't get snow. So, uh, the highways can get dicey. Some years you don't get snow. A lot of people wouldn't know that about Canada, but you there's this like unique Marine climate that's that's only in this one little place in the world uh, yeah. that, that kind of keeps things warmer over there. Interesting. Yep, that's right. That's right. Uh, how about how about you? Do you you? I mean, I was about to ask if you get snow, and then I realized that Texas had a pretty severe storm like two years ago. Yeah, you know, probably um, you know Texas and a lot of the South like it may snow once every three or four years or something, but uh, uh, I'm, there may be snowflakes more often than that, but you know, uh, accumulation, uh, very often you go a few years without, but last year we had, you know, um, a fair bit and, um, yeah, uh, you know, you could walk around and be a couple of inches high on your boot. Not, you know, it was more ice than snow though. Right. So that wasn't the most fun. Gotcha. Well, yeah, let's hope for a white Christmas for both of us with none of the complications. Um, this is an exciting episode. We uh, we have a guest with us and potentially more guests joining us later. So allow me to introduce somebody whose last name I am going to butcher. Welcome, Josh Gutzkow. <laughs> hey, nice to see you. Uh, thanks for having me on. You did pretty well with that. Um, it's Getzko. 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 You, you, you butchered it less than, than most people. Hmm. Oh, funny. I think I started out saying Getzko, but over the last few months, I uh, started to try to throw the U in there, like Getzko. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the German, the original German would be Gutzkov, but uh, they, it was Americanized, but they never changed the spelling, so it just throws everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd originally had that V sound at the end instead of the W, is what you're saying? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. You know, well, it's usually people usually say it with they end it with cow. It's cow. Yeah. 
I apologize. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. Okay, cool. Um, well, gents, I'm I'm very excited. We've got a, a number of familiar faces already in the Rumble chat. We've got uh, Husatonic. Good day, gents. Uh, Daytaz, Miss Weasel, and uh, Sarah Bell. So this is going to be a great episode. Um, Matthew, do you want to sort of introduce the concept of what we're doing here today? Sure. Um, and and then, then I'll let uh, Josh give a, a longer introduction of uh, of himself since he hasn't been on. And by the way, Josh, you're you're very welcome to uh, to to you know come join us uh, if there's ever a topic that you're interested in you know going in depth in uh, you know please let me know. But um, today we were going to debate died suddenly. But um, Liam, I'm I'm going to disappoint you. Josh was the only person to email me and say that he could that he could show up. Uh, and, and that happened uh, very recently, uh, though Colleen Huber emailed me and said, well, you know, uh, I have patients scheduled at the time, um, though, just it, it, there was something about the, the tone of the emails. Um, I, I'm guessing she hadn't actually read my articles. Hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know uh, what it is that we would be debating. But uh, in the article that she wrote, it didn't it didn't really clash. You know, there wasn't much clash there. So um, so. We, we don't have anything to debate today, um, though, you know, rounding the earth uh, viewers may know that I'm I'm willing and open for a debate. Uh, you know, we, we had uh, debunk the funk on once and um, uh, my very first um, solo discussion uh, was with um, uh, Stuart Buck. And, uh, you know, we had a we had a, friend, a very friendly chat. You know, we, we debated a few points regarding pandemic medicine and and whatnot. But, you know, we're always happy to have people on and, and have a you know, friendly debate or discussion, you know, I, I, a lot of the time I'd rather use the word discussion, you know, when, when, when everybody's interested and open and, you know, like any of us may learn something that, that feels like the better word to use. Um, <clears throat> uh, I, you know, I was kind of hoping one or two more people might, you know, reach out and say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll jump in, you know, we'll discuss this. Um, but, it, you know, judging from the comments uh, uh, on the articles, I mean, yeah, there there were plenty of people who liked the articles that I wrote, but then there were people who wanted to sort of like steer the discussion. You know, oh, but this is real. Like, understand, <laughs> I've been writing about vaccine harms for a pretty good while now. You know, uh, you know, uh, over a year and a half. Um, you know, so I, I was writing uh, writing up <clears throat> mortality estimations based on the fact that um, case fatality rates would suddenly change locally the moment vaccines were introduced or that nations that didn't have many COVID deaths would suddenly have a ton of them and uh, and the, that the correlation was positive between COVID deaths and COVID vaccinations, you know, all those things uh, I've written, uh, you know, plenty about and, and you know, many other aspects of the topic or or they would say, but, you know, don't you trust Ryan Cole? And, and you know, like that's you know, that's not really the point of, of anything that I wrote is, is not whether or not I trust Ryan. Um, Ryan is obviously a brilliant pathologist. Um, I've been in chat groups with him, by the way, where, you know, people would show something that was like, you know, a microscopy slide. And he would just be like, that's this, that's this, you know, like he, he has, he's one of those people who's, who's very smart. He's very crisp. When I met him in, in San Juan, I was like, you know, I could probably just past medical school exams, just having lunch with this guy. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and he, and he does a great job of like explaining things for somebody who doesn't have a medical background to be able to understand, you know, it's like really, really good at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Though, um, you know, the average member of an audience have died suddenly, especially if they're not in the choir, right? If there's somebody that you're trying to convince, uh, they don't know him. 
right? Um, they don't know the difference between him and the average pathologist or embalmer. They may not even know, you know, um, how that level of knowledge might differ, right? Between like right. a doctor, a pathologist, an embalmer, all those things. Um, so it, it's a little bit, you know, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a different thing. And people would ask, you know, if I believed in the clots, I'm like, well, we know that there are more clots, right? Whether or not, whether or not there are these stringy things, Right. And we know that the pandemic, once the vaccines roll out uh, and, and maybe maybe not everybody knows this, but the pandemic shifted from being more respiratory to being more cardiovascular oriented. Well, I, I would I would put it differently. I would say excess deaths shifted from being uh, uh, attributed to respiratory causes to being attributed to circulatory causes. Fair enough. Now, Josh, before we go any further, do you want to just introduce yourself to the Rounding the Earth audience, most of which will already be familiar with who you are, some of which know you personally, but for those right. who don't. Uh, okay, I'm Josh Getzko. I am. Uh, I was born in the U.S. I grew up in California, uh, and I now live and work in Israel. I did my uh, B.A. at UC Berkeley. I did a PhD, MA and PhD in sociology uh, at Princeton University. By the way, I'm not saying any of this to brag, but I don't know, credentials seem to matter to people. So um, I'm going through my credentials because it gives me some legitimacy. To some people, it gives me more legitimacy and to some people, it gives me less. So Experience uh, is relevant. That's <laughs> part of your story, right? Yeah. I, so I did an MA and PhD in sociology at Princeton University, and then I did a, a postdoc at Harvard in health policy. Then I had a, I was an assistant professor at the University of Arizona for a couple of years, and then uh, we moved to Israel. And I'm, I'm a, my current position as senior lecturer in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology and the Institute of Criminology at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. And um, in terms of the pandemic, uh, I started also about a year and a half ago, um, pretty early on, I started looking into VARES. Mainly I was, I was trying to raise some alarm bells for my family. And then I started sharing, you know, I was compiling these basic statistics of what we were seeing in VARES what, what were we seeing in ultra vigilance, the European system, the, the yellow card system? Um, a local group in Israel started trying to gather adverse event reports on their own. Um, so I was sharing that and there was other, you know, there were all these media reports. Somebody was compiling these media reports. I was trying to share that. My links were censored on Facebook. I would share, I would share a link Basically, I would upload this report to my Google Drive and I would share it, a link to it on Facebook. I would share it once, I would share it twice, I would share it three times. And then within, you know, by the fourth or fifth time, that was it. I couldn't, they, they wouldn't allow me to, 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 to post any comments with a link to that. Um, and so, you know, I'd get around it by writing at instead of, or not at, but like dot, I would write out D-O-T instead of, you know, a dot. And then at some point, the link to uh, one of these reports was was broken by Google. They said it went against their community center. So I had a I had a I had a file on Google Drive 
that I was not able to share with anybody because the file uh, violated Google's community standards. And that was like, I don't know, April of 2021. Um, so, you know, I <laughs> witnessed firsthand the nitty gritty, you know, this wasn't getting, you know, they didn't, I, ne I was never kicked off Facebook or anything like that, but, um, you know, very strict censorship. And, uh, and there were other files that I was sharing that for other people had put up on Dropbox and some other places that were also either taken down or the links were shut down or, you know, so all of these tech companies, you know, were getting deep in the weeds, you know, to, to, to have that level of surveillance that you're, you know, you're deleting links to people's documents. It's, it's frightening. <laughs> You know, it, it's interesting how they treated us differently also. Um, and, and you probably don't know this, but I'll, I'll share this with you. Um, in, you know, in 2020, before I, I stepped into Substack, uh, in 2020, I was using Facebook as a platform for discussion. I saw the issue of hydroxychloroquine in particular fairly early on. You know, I was paying attention to it in March. And then I was following um, uh, uh, DDR. Uh, and, you know, I followed him from March through May. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I saw was most people in discussion on Facebook thought that he still had like 40 patients in May when he had like 400. Right. And, you know, there were still articles being written in the press. And I was documenting these like, you know, you'd see an article in in, you know, some major American newspaper referring to his small experiment. Right. And there were like 26 people, blah, 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 blah. There were these problems, you know, they, they would talk about the problems with the initial experiment when he had 4000 patients at that point. And I'm like, you know, there, there's something very wrong with this. I created a Facebook discussion group to discuss pandemic medicine. And uh, I, you know, they, um, some of the shares would get censored off. But eventually, you know, they, they started banning me and it started out with like one day bans and three day bans and seven day bans. But by early 2021, it was like 30 day bans from Facebook. <clears throat> and uh, it was February of 2021. I, I was working on a book that I tried to rush and finish in October 2020. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I, I just can't like wait. You know, I, like I, I'm just going to put out you know, some of what would be the chapters as articles on Facebook, I mean, on, uh, on Substack and, um, you know, just, just to get those out, uh, at the, I had no idea that it would eventually become like 27,000 people reading. I was just like, I want people to be armed with these links, right? Uh, like I'll take the time, lay out the argument and let people come in and be, you know, be educated, but also have something to just sort of link back because it felt like part of the game was sort of like an asymmetric you know, uh, time and energy attention issue. So um, that was that was how the Substack got started. I had four 30-day bans in, in 2021, uh, you know, mostly in the first half of the year. So like, yeah, basically half the year I was banned, but, you know, first half of the year I could hardly post, but they eventually just deleted my, my um, uh, discussion group for pandemic wow. medicine. They just wouldn't have it. <laughs> And so you wind up having this formation of sort of a the folks like yourselves who have been trying to discuss things that are not allowed for some reason. You have the formation of a dissident side. And within this dissident side, in particularly recent months, it's starting to look like there's either intentional or uh, unintentional 
division. And Matthew, you've discussed this uh, in depth. We've had some very good um, locals exclusive discussions as well. And you've posted in your Substack uh, rather in depth on the topic of chaos agents. Now, what we have had happen is the release of, well, as everyone probably has seen, there was a film that came out called Watch the Water, put out by the Stu Peters Network, um, produced by a pair of gentlemen who then more recently went on to put out a film called Died Suddenly. Now, mm -hmm. Died Suddenly is obviously a term that we've all come to be super familiar with because uh, it's it, it, it it's quite literally trending everywhere. It was not a made up term. It's very much appearing in obituaries and in news stories. And I can attest to that because I track the local obituaries here. And uh, it's showing up uh, here as well. So you have this documentary come out, very hyped. I believe it's the exact same production team that made uh, Watch the Water. And um, seemingly impossibly, it's now up to nearly 14 million views. And it's breaking into the mainstream discussion. Um, but it has some issues with it. And you've both pointed out some of those issues. And the reactions to those commentaries have themselves been interesting. So, for example, uh, Josh, this is the uh, article that you put out, Died Suddenly is Typical Trash from Stu Peters. And uh, perhaps you can summarize for us what your, um, what your criticism of the film was. And after you do that, of course, after you put out that article, it turns out you get uh, you get covered in vice of all things. So this has been a very interesting sequence of events. I don't have them pulled up, but we can also take a look at some of uh, Matthew's articles on this, which Dr. Robert Malone just featured in a recent Substack of his own. So that's sort of our intro. So Josh, do you want to do you want to take us through your uh, your initial thoughts? What is your criticism of the film? What were some of the issues you uh, you found with it? And also, what are some things in it that you didn't find to be problematic that you found to be very relevant? I think that last question is a really good question. Um, and a very important thing to kind of emphasize because the most a lot of the um, kickback that I've gotten from this article is people saying, well, oh, you need to talk with these people who have seen this and experienced this, these clots. And, you, and like like you said, Matthew, you know, sit down with Ryan Cole or um, why don't we have a discussion and I'll bring um, Dr. James Thorpe. And my response to that was great. I love Dr. James Thorpe. I think what he's doing is amazing. And I think everything he's saying is, you know, I, I believe everything he's saying. I'd love to meet him. Right. So it's like they don't have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, um, what's the word, awareness of what I'm actually arguing. <clears throat> um, because I agree with a lot of the stuff that's in the movie, right? I do think that there is an increase in um, uh, sort of excess deaths. Um, and it seems, certainly seems that there are more people dying suddenly, um, even in Israel now we're seeing, they, they put defibrillators everywhere, right? They didn't used to be there in like every park all over the place now. Um, you know, I, 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 and I've written about, you know, in terms of the fertility decline, I have a Substack post about it and calling attention to it. So. 
Um, and in terms of the clotting, I actually thought that was one of the strongest, as and from a visceral perspective, just seeing that and, and hearing the testimony from the embalmers, I thought was extremely compelling. And um, I actually do think that these are new types of clots and that they're, they're, they, they weren't really occurring prior to the rollout of the COVID vaccines. I believe that all of that is true. My problem with the movie was, first of all, that there were some factual problems that I had with it. But more to the point was, um, kind of what, what, what is the movie trying to achieve? And if the movie is trying to break outside the bubble and bring more people inside the, the you know, for, to cross over or to, to, you know, if we can think, we can think about three basic audiences, the choir, the people who are already convinced and they, they don't, I mean, if you want to educate them more about the issues that are going on, fine. And, you know, Diet suddenly does that to some extent, but there are some important factual errors. So based, you know, if that's your goal, you've got a problem because you're not educating, you know, you're educating people the facts that are incorrect. Okay. Then there's the people who are never going to be convinced. Um, and, and that, you know, maybe we don't have to worry about those. But, the, you know, if your audience is people that you might be able to convince that are kind of on the fence, they're hearing stuff, they're starting to doubt, whatever. Um, I, I just think that this, this movie is maybe going to speak to a small fraction of them. But I think it's likely to turn off a far larger portion of them. Uh, and close their minds down even more um, than a movie that, you know, could have been approached differently. So, for example, at the very beginning of the movie, um, there's a sequence, you know, there's like a, a montage. And they go through all a lot of the sequences in the montage are these different sort of conspiracy theories, including Bigfoot, including, you know, what appears to be the Loch Ness Monster and stuff like that. MK Ultra, Moon Landing. And the moon landing, and you know what? Even if you know, I'm not going to get into my position on any of it, I don't have a problem with conspiracy theories. I don't. I'm, if you, you know, but if you're trying, you know, if, if if your audience is that middle, then then that's just you're just completely you're basically associating all of this important. I mean, that's the, the, okay, all of this important information, and you're just blackwashing it with. You know, and associating with they call it you know um, dis discredit by association DBA strategy, right? Um, you know, the only thing that was missing from the montage was a you know some picture of the flat Earth or something like that. Um, and and then you know, so anybody going into that, you know, so what was the point of that? I mean, it's not relevant for the choir, and it's not relevant for the middle, and it's only going to serve to discredit and associate all of these important facts you know, with, with that and kind of shut down people's minds. And so frankly, when I, you know, my, my article, I admit that the, the title was a little bit harsh, right? Typical trash from Stu Peters, but I was angry after I read it, after I saw that, I mean, I was, I was angry because I felt like, you know, all of the work that people like Matthew have done that I've done that other people I know have done to try to kind of bring the facts out and just to have all of that just kind of, when, you know, somebody said it's like a turd in a punch bowl, right? We spent all this time making a punch and he just like took a shit in our punch bowl. So I was like, I, uh, I was angry uh, and it came across, I guess, in the, in my title, a little more sensationalistic than, than it might've been, but 
<laughs> but I, you know, I stand by everything that I wrote in the in that in the Substack. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned um, you know things that the documentary got wrong, and a lot of these, a lot of people won't notice unless they try to dig in, right? Like some of the people who collapse in the video were not people who had been vaccinated or you know predated vaccine rollout uh, or things like that. And then uh, the the DMED data, the DMED story gets portrayed as something completely different than what it turns out to be, and that's the military health database, um, which uh, you know, fortunately, that opened a discussion. I'm actually going to be presenting. Um, that data and what happened with uh, with the global COVID um, summit doctors tonight. So, um, I, I, you know, silver lining sometimes, you know, doors open for discussions, but, um, you know, that and people won't know how to check that. People won't know necessarily that there's somebody like me who's out there who's, you know, spent hundreds of hours with the data trying right. to, you know, figure out what was going on and reorganize it. Um, yeah, and that, and that's its own issue. I, I think I think that the reason that I stopped to write about this, in fact, <clears throat> is because that issue kind of raised my hackles. You know, um, uh, being that I think that the contractor needs to be investigated because the contractor, you know, the fact that they supposedly didn't know about this glitch for five months, this data was supposed to be used by the CDC within their vaccine safety technical work group. Uh, I think that there's enough reason, and I, I could I could go on on that topic for an hour, but <clears throat> I, I think that there's reason enough to investigate the contractor themselves. And if there's any fraud, I think that that is most likely to be, you know, the the place to look. And if there's anything at all that can be done about this pandemic, I mean, I, I'm not sure if there is or not, right? right. Or the vaccine program, um, it's unclear how con, you know how controlled the courts are, for instance, but. Um, if there's anything that can be done proving fraud once ever, once ever, completely changes the game because uh, you know that can that can stop the entire right. program or stop mandates. Didn't 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 Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, call for an investigation into Unisant last week at that meeting in D.C.? Am I right about that? I think I heard of I kind of saw that you know pass by my eyes. But I'm not, I didn't, uh, you know, I watched about two thirds of it and I missed that. Uh, if he did, um, hopefully that's okay. good. But like one thing that, that he had done last year was he sent a letter saying that they needed to keep all data after August 31st, 2021. And I thought, and I thought, no, <clears throat> well, you know, they need to keep all data prior to that because that right. you know, it was August when the server migration took place. And that's when the glitch appears to have been introduced. Because right. It was not introduced as as of the May 2021 data snapshot that they put on what's called the medical surveillance monthly reports. You know that all looked fine. You know the historical data just you know kept building up to what it was, um, and and then suddenly you have this this changeover. Well, I say it looked fine. There 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 were you know elevations in 2016 and 2018 data that make me think uh, that there were you know additional records inserted, and there's a debate as to why that would be the case. Um, but, you know, if, if there were records inserted, maybe that caused the glitch by creating some sort of a row mismatch or something like that. <clears throat> so, you know, to me, to me, like, uh, you know, that felt that, I don't know, it, it felt like one more obstacle in raising awareness of, of things that are actually important that are going on uh, during the pandemic. Um, but I, I, I'm going to throw something out there just because, you know, while I think that the clots are real, uh, I do know people who have said that they've called them bombers and got negative 
you know, responses. You know, no, we haven't seen them. Right. right. And and it, it's hard to know, you know, just like with uh, doctors, you know, there, this weirdness about, you know, hydroxychloroquine not working because it it failed in patients that you're giving them after viral replication was done. OK, you know, like it, it just seems so, you know, obvious and weird. Uh, but but, you know, it, it is possible to fake something like that. Right. Um, it potentially and, and we don't know what might be used. Uh, a magic trick could be performed. You might be able to inject something into the blood, uh, a micropolymer, perhaps. You know, when I was a kid, I did a little bit of magic. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys ever ever caught that bug. Uh, I, I think I had it for a year, right? Uh, learned how to do magic tricks, and and one of the one of the you know sort of kits that would would be sold in magic shops would include uh, micropolymers where you could pour them in somebody's drink and it would turn the drink into sludge you know you right. pour it over and it would still be like solid it wouldn't pour out of the glass um you know you, you get these things that that you get them wet and they expand to many times their size well you know who knows i mean you know whether or not these plots are real or fake um you know, stuff like that um can be created and i also grew up in sort of this in this new age crowd uh, that wanted to believe in psychic stuff badly enough that there were a number of frauds, right? And, uh, you know, one uh, one article, I, you know, I wrote an article about Ur, Ur, Yuri Geller a few months ago, uh, partially because it relates to, I think, I think it relates to the pandemic more than people know. It relates to uh, the way that the that our military operates, our military intelligence operates. But specifically, he was brought to the Stanford Research Institute and studied for psychic abilities after you know, he was he was a nightclub act. And he even had like lawsuits like where <laughs> even had lawsuits where, um, you know, uh, <laughs> people would watch his nightclub performance and he would claim that it was, you know, that it wasn't a trick, that it was like actual mental powers. And it, it made some people really angry. But there was a, at least one lawsuit in Israel over it. So, Matthew, you're yeah. saying there's enough plausible, yeah. like we can't, even the things that are convenient and that even things that there is some evidence to suggest are real can still be not real. There are aspects of the way that it's shot, the way that it's filmed that look like it possibly could be a magic trick. And there is precedence for this, right? Uh, I don't know if, if either of you guys are familiar with this, but have you seen the people who would do like, you know, non-invasive removal of organs I don't even, I don't, I don't remember right, what right, called, right, right? Like what kind of psychic surgery. Yeah. <clears throat> medical tourism stuff. You know, it can't happen in the U S yeah. people would fly to these islands and, and um, it, you know, you would have people like, you know, making it look like their hand went into somebody and using sort of fake blood on top and pulling organs out of people's bodies or things that are, and maybe they weren't always organs. They were just like massy things that supposedly were being pulled out of people's bodies. There is a history of this kind of thing, right? right. So, so it, it is important when you hit the middle, when you hit the middle and, and, you know, you, you said people on the fence, but a lot of it is people who just haven't had enough time to pay attention. You know, people who have seen these other stories, people who have seen a con pulled off a magic trick pulled off. Um, you know, those people need to be presented with, uh, with a tighter story. So, you know, like, the impact analysis, and this is this is really where I, I would want to focus any debate, is around the impact analysis. Because if you have things that go wrong, or if you have you know blurry associations, we could have just kept this simpler, right? We could have just stuck to the stuff that's horrible, 
there's plenty in there that's going to make people emotional if they're not familiar with it anyway. I mean, uh, uh, Ernesto's story. I mean, gosh, you know, uh, can, can you watch that story and not cry? Right. There, and there are a number of there are plenty of stories like that during the pandemic. Um, well, you know, OK, I'll take the uh, I'll take a devil's advocate approach here and say, well, you know, 14 million views. What more impact analysis do you need than that? Uh, we've got people, you know, people are buzzing about it. Um, and if it was, you know, we've heard, you know, God bless Ernesto and his son. Uh, may rest in peace. His story has been told many, many times. Other, all of these other things you're talking about have been told, but they're not. They don't grab the attention the way that this issue does. Um, and so, you know, in terms of like people who haven't had the time, it's also they haven't had the interest. And so, if you can grab their interest, you can grab their time and get them to focus on some of this stuff. So. You know, there's an art, there is an argument to be made for that. I mean, of course, there are counter arguments too, but I'll throw that out there and see how you respond. Well, it, one of the things that I would like for somebody to do, and Steve, Steve Kirsch likes uh, surveys. I would like to see some sort of a survey, you know, um, you know, did you watch this? Did you already know about the clots? Right. What did you think about the clots before? What did you think about them afterward? You know, uh, and to, to ask a few questions like that, my guess is, um, that we're going to find out that, you know, those 13.7 million views or wherever that is now, uh, I think we're going to find out a very high proportion was the choir, that uh, it didn't really do much for them, uh, except potentially radicalize them. And this is an important point. I found out more. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and share this story. Uh, since, you know, Stu Peters had Ben Marble on a few days ago, and they were, uh, they were defending died suddenly, but they were also going after Dr. Malone. And, and, so there was chatter about this. Uh, I, I'm in uh, a chat group with a bunch of military guys. Uh, actually, I'm in multiple chat groups with a bunch of military guys. Um, but what, you know, one of them specifically reached out to me and said, you know, uh, uh, I like your articles. These are great. Um, I, I want to mention something about um, Ben Marble. And he said, you know, I, I met the man. And, you know, there was, there was something that was very strange about the meeting, which was that he was going around to other members of the military telling them that they need to rebel like mm. th that they need to like openly fight the u.s government like and, com commit treason potentially it, right exactly and uh and you know the in the interview with Stu, he was saying you know uh all these people are going to be dead in three years if, if that's true if, if the vaccines are that bad then you know th there's not much that's that can you know, there's nothing that's going to reverse that so far as I, I know or understand, or hopefully somebody comes up with, uh, yeah, I, I shouldn't say that. Maybe somebody will come up with uh, something that helps, you know, sort those clots out that helps uh, fix the uh, amyloidosis. And, um, but, you know, fomenting war, I mean, you know, that that's, that's a radicalization. That is, that is a different agenda than just educating people. And, uh, and since, um, you know, you brought, you know, since my articles are in the, the chaos agents pool, um, I'll bring up uh, Lee Dundas as an example of, of what irritated me. Um, you know, Lee Dundas, after helping present the original DMED numbers in January, 11 months ago, uh, or, oh, sorry, before that, go all, go all the way back to January 5th and 6th of last year. We have the protests at the Capitol or, you know, 
riots, whatever you might want to call them. Uh, she was there. She was there. And, the, and the, I think it was the day before she was speaking on the loudspeaker. And, you know, her, her language certainly seemed like the, you know, some of the roughest language that I heard uh, saying she said um, something along the lines of we are within our rights to go in there and hang those people. And she gives very impassioned speeches. You know, she says things like, wake the hell up, stand the hell up. You know, and, and then followed with something like, you know, we're within our rights to go in there and hang those people or, you know, and, and this, these are direct quotes. But uh, or she, I, I know that she said, like, something like take them out back and shoot and hang them, it, you know, was like a, a way to deal with with this. Now, okay. she wasn't she wasn't arrested, oddly, um, which, which is always, you know, that that's a little weird, that, which is odd, given the people that were arrested, exactly, given yeah. the people that were arrested. And, you know, she was uh, um, she was part of Simone Gold's uh, legal eagle dream team uh, that, that Simone referred to. Um, and, you know, and Simone was arrested, you know, you know, as far as I can tell, not fomenting violence. I don't think that she's, uh, uh, you know, she, she's not quite the, the firebrand uh, on that level. But, you know, when, when you have um, when you have an issue like this, and you have the potential for radicalization, everybody needs to stop and think soberly about what is the right way to deal with the information at hand. Right? Now, and sure. to, it, my perspective is more, and I, I shared this with Matthew, that I'm I'm concerned that we can accidentally contribute to the radicalization as well. And now I'm, I'm on the hyper-conservative side of really treading lightly, and I lean more towards assuming good intention until there's concrete reason not to. Now, uh, I think there's also a fine line between, in the case of you, Josh, Stu's response to you, or not even to you, but to someone who had mentioned your article, um, he was just a, he was a bully. Uh, he was really mean. And he had clearly not read your article. He, he was responding to arguments that didn't exist. Um, and so I'm wondering if you could summarize what exactly, what your, what your feeling was following being told to suck it. Uh, <laughs> in the same message as he invited you on his show, which is just a really kind of weird, anyway. Um, and then I want to talk about the Vice article real quick. So do, do you want to cover... Uh, what happened there with that response from Stu? And I'll pull up the Vice article. Somebody brought to my attention that Stu had posted something on his Telegram channel. Somebody had brought my Substack article to his attention and said, can you please respond to this? Um, and he said, uh, well, you know, I'll have him on my show and we can talk it out. And maybe he should talk to all of these other people to see all the bad stuff that's going on. And he, you know, goes through the list and he's like, um, you know, Josh can suck it. Uh, that's my, that's my response. That's how, that's my response. It was funny though. Cause I shared that on, I shared a screenshot of that uh, group I'm on. And I said, what do you think? Should I do it? And they're like, uh, you, you mean, should you suck it? You know? <laughs> Personal preference, Josh. Yeah, no, I, was, I was talking about going on a show. And the response was pretty in that group. It was there was a pretty, um, I thought, a robust discussion about the merits of how 
you know, whether or not you should go on the show and, or if, if there's an alternative way that could be discussed. And I think there's probably more to consider there, but. I I agree. I mean, I was very tempted at first to go on the show, but then a couple of things occurred to me. One is I don't, you know, maybe it's live, maybe it isn't. I don't want him to, you know, going on his show is kind of, he's very, uh, he's a very combative person. And uh, there was a, um, a very respectable, a very mainstream Israeli researcher who went on his show. This was a guy who had, had he had experienced an adverse event from the vaccine. And he had spent his life kind of developing vaccines. Right. He had a bad experience developing a vaccine um, with the COVID vaccine and has just completely shifted his view. So he went on Stu's show and I don't know. Stu just completely distorted what he was trying to say, and and he re- really regretted uh, going on the show afterwards. So I said, well, I be, I want to talk to the guy, but I don't want to do it on his turf. Right. Uh, so you know, let's find a a third party. He can choose if he wants. So actually, I I responded on his Telegram a couple of days ago about that. Earlier today, I don't know. Uh, Matthew, if you had a chance to check check your Twitter, I would I tweeted about it and I said, you know, here let we can do this. Matthew has this podcast, you know, we can do it there, we can do it somewhere else. And Teresa Long actually answered and said, you you must be a coward for not going on his show. Uh, you uh, know, uh, <laughs> what are these reductions in argument to ad hominem? Like it it. it, it <sighs> Okay, so there's okay, that. Now, but, but, oh, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, I can shake it. I, I, it doesn't bother me, but, um, but you know, people said, well, if it's live, what do you have? What are you worried about? Or you could do your own recording. And sure. Then you could, but the problem is, is it's, okay, it, let's say it's not live and I have to record it. I don't know exactly. First of all, I have to figure out how to do that, but Stu could do whatever editing he wants. And put it on his show and millions, you know, I don't know, his his viewership is a lot bigger than me. So I can come back a few days later and say, wait, wait, no, I didn't say it. That he's taking me out of context. But then the, dam- the damage is already done at that point. So, you know, I'm not going to try to engage in damage control because I allowed myself to be, you know, put in a situation where my words could be distorted or whatever. Yeah, it feels like I'm, happy I'm, I'm happy to meet with, with Stu on, on, a, on a neutral platform. It feels like that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Um, And he can, you know, he he can suggest where where we could do that. Somebody said a Twitter space, maybe that could be an option. I don't know. And and because I really my my perspective, and I really feel it's my role to to emphasize this when others aren't. There is a very strong chance that Stu is earnest and just wrong, and, and being an ass. Like you can be an ass, like a serious ass but still be on the same side potentially. And I, I, I just want to keep the door open for as long as it's reasonable to, uh, for example, if Stu does decide that coming on rounding the earth is something that is appropriate, I feel if we can make that happen in a way that everyone is comfortable with, I, I want him to feel like he is welcome within the realm of appropriateness. Do you know what I mean? But uh, that's what I've been afraid of is, is, us also then reacting instinctively as opposed to by our own genuine values. And I, I, I feel like based on how you described it, you certainly thought this through and are approaching it, approaching it. Well, I want to hear. So what happened then 
with this Vice article. I haven't even read this yet. What is this? I I can't I can't really make heads or tails of it because um, first of all, this person is whoever wrote this seems to be really uh, involved or keeping very close tabs on what's going on in the discourse of the you know the team reality or whatever you want to call it the anti-vax movement if you want to call yeah, it yeah there's that. alex jones yeah um so i mean basically what they're saying is uh, here's this uh documentary that was made that's getting a lot of views but it's patently wrong and gets all these things wrong and now the, and then there's a lot of infighting and bickering now within the movement or within this these group of anti-vaxxers who are calling him out for not you know, for his factual errors and stuff like that. And they have actually a long quote from my, um, from my Substack article about it, which frankly, I think makes me sound pretty sober and even, you know, even keeled and, 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 and this is why I can't really make sense of the, of the article that much because, you know, somebody reading that would say, oh yeah, this actually, the guy makes a lot of sense. So, you know, <laughs> if they were trying to like, you know, it almost feels like they're, they're almost trying to promote it, you know, at the same time as they're bashing it. One thing they did, they did do, though, which was interesting, is, is they introduced me by saying that David Icke had tweeted out or, I don't know, shared on his... Lizard guy, channel. David Icke. Lizard what? guy, David Icke. I mean, since, since credentials... David Icke, right, the lizard guy. David Icke, the lizard since guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, shared this. So basically they're, they're associating me with David Icke. Like I'm on, we're on the same level. By default. Yeah. Right. Um, which is, you know, what that was basically what Stu Peters, uh, well, the directors of Died Suddenly were doing at the beginning of their thing. They're yeah. you know, equating these, 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 these different it, things. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. So I agree with you, Liam, that people can be dumb and maybe we should give people the benefit of the doubt, although I'm yeah. not sure about that. But I mean, I tried to do that. But I just couldn't get past that. I could not get past that. I'm like, there is just no, I and, and and this would be a nice thing to have a conversation with these guys about. I think maybe they have talked about it. They said something. They have they have addressed it, but I don't recall being convinced by what they said. I just don't see how you do that. You know, I mean, they're not. There are certain look, and this is where I think I think Matthew is right on. Is you can identify patterns that look like intentional deceptions or intentional um some form of information uh warfare that's not quite the right word but uh it is a conscious choice to include bigfoot and the loch ness monster in fact i was talking with my uh, my my girlfriend about this and i asked so i showed the sequence to her and i said what do you make of this and she said i have no idea what all of that has to do with this and then we talked further and I said, you know what? You could even argue something as out there as, as the moon landing discussion is relevant if you're talking about, if you're suggesting that you're showing a sequence of times the government has lied about significant issues. But then that goes away with the inclusion of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. Like even the most plausible, biggest reach explanation is invalidated by the inclusion of Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to see it any other way. Yeah, not, and not, not technically invalidated, but it, it create the, the whole association makes it hard for people to yes. actually perform a validation, right? Yeah. 
that that's the issue is that, is that it steps in front of a validation process. Sure. And and you know that's part of my issue with all this is that it looks like a wrestling match, right? And I feel like those who arrange it to look like a wrestling match, uh, and I think Vice is covering it as if it's a wrestling match, right? I, I think that's Vice's job. Yeah, like it's a pop culture if, phenomenon almost. Right, exactly. Um, is to uh, you know take the the scientific discussion out, whereas um, right. <clears throat> we're we're trying to have that discussion yeah. here, right? right? So it's like in, uh, in, in, in a, with the way the media covers politics in the U.S., it's almost no substantive discussion. It's just about like he said, you know, he went out, he did these tactics, and she did that those tactics, and. You know, it, it becomes a yeah, like you said, like a, we're talking about a wrestling match rather than uh, yeah, that's a good analogy. And, yeah, and, and, and want to go on Stu Peters also, even aside from the editing and whatnot, is is do you want to you know do you want to have that scientific discussion with uh, Jim McMahon in, in in a ring you know with wrestlers or do you want to be having it uh, elsewhere? And and there might be a reason sometimes to go on there, but but I you know. Given uh, given the level of conflict, but I, I'm going to go ahead and make I'm I'm going to I'm going to create sort of a decision analysis on whether or not died suddenly was a good phenomenon. Because I know uh, my friend John uh, in chat was saying, you know, um, he he has talked to people for whom it shifted the needle, and you know that and you know uh, it doesn't surprise me if if a lot of us it just like a lot of us can reach out into our network and find somebody who you know died after vaccination. Uh, possibly of you know cardio injury or, or something like that. Um, you know we can all probably reach into our network somewhere and find somebody who you know their needle was able to be moved, uh, possibly. So you know two things about this. One is you know does it have a positive impact analysis overall? And you know I'm sure some needles were moved. I'm sure that there were some. Uh, it probably depends on your personality type and whether or not you you looked past all those other you know images blurred together and all that. And maybe maybe you didn't even know how to fact check the documentary, right? Because some of the fact check is deep. Even people on our side, like mostly, don't know right. about the DMAT right. yet. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's the more problematic mistakes are the the, the really obvious ones that are being called out in all the debunking but, articles. But let, let me let me go ahead and say this: even if there's a positive impact analysis. That is not enough. Like, you know, I, one of the great lessons that I took away from policy debate, I did six years of policy debate in, in high school and college, uh, five years. And um, one of the great lessons there was, okay, a plan may be a good idea, but if there is a counter plan, you know, if there's something else that you could have done just as easily that would have had a better impact analysis, then it was still a bad idea. Right. And, and I feel like <clears throat> that's a place where it's actually very hard to argue that died suddenly is a good idea, uh, which is that, you know, you, you could have included a couple of serious people, just like with with Brian Artis. And, um, you know, and by the way, um, I, I, I'm not suggesting that Brian Artis is a is a chaos agent, um, you know, the, and, and we maybe maybe we should uh, loop back around to that because that might be um, an important conversation. Not everybody that you know, we disagree with is controlled opposition. Um, and maybe we should even discuss Dr. Malone for a moment because that, that's a weird raging debate going on. But <clears throat> um, yeah, after after the, the watch the water video, uh, everybody should have had a sense that Stu Peters was willing to take an issue that serious people had not been brought in to discuss, right? Uh, Dr. Artis made 
you know, no bones about the fact that that he hadn't really discussed his theory with scientists and doctors and serious people. Um, that's a terrible time to make a documentary about a hypothesis. And in the same way, if you had just brought in some serious people, we would have volunteered our time, right? And and maybe I should go ahead and mention this. Uh, I, I, I won't mention his name. I don't know how how like you know secret this project is or private. Clearly, it's intended to make an impact. But Josh and I am actually uh, somebody reached out to us and asked us to fact check for another documentary that will cover similar topics that is meant to be you know um, hopefully very tight, very accurate. You know nothing nothing extra thrown in. So. That, could that have yeah, been done? I agree with you completely. Could have been done. Yeah. And yeah. And I was also kind of pissed at Stu because I actually kind of got really excited when I watched the, watched the water. I mean, I'm going to admit this. And I was like, whoa, this is like, whoa. And then I started sharing with people. And they're like, this is, this is complete bunk. Like, what are you doing? Well, maybe this is a topic for another day because I think watch the water uh, hypothetically might deserve a second look following some of Jay's work, but I don't want to broach that in too much detail here. Well, and, and those of us who critiqued it have always said um, we should be paying attention to these inserts and, yeah. you know, and, but we should be doing so in a very specific way. Yeah. Toxins. Yeah. Toxins are a very, um, they're a challenging and deep biological topic, right? And a lot of pharmaceutical medicine is, testing toxins and the way the body reacts to them. If you think of, you know, your body as this giant harp where you can play all these different strings, you can pluck all these different strings and your body will somehow react or behave. Right. And, uh, you know, every time you insert a toxin, you know, some of those strings get plucked and your body reacts to them. And this is, uh, you know, really this goes all the way back to, um, was it, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, I, I won't say that it goes back to light, light uh, cures light, but, um, you know, there is a relationship between toxins and pharmaceutical medicine and, and everything that goes on. Um, so, and snake venom, snake toxins are a huge part of pharmaceutical study. People don't know how common this is. It's actually really, really common. They have, they have databases and catalogs of tens of thousands of these different types of, uh, of, toxins and compounds. And so the fact that there would be uh, inserts, you know, that relate to some of these toxins, of course, that is relevant. That is absolutely relevant. And it is something that we should be talking about. But, <clears throat> you know, again, by taking it and making it into something that is a wrestling match and into a sensational, you know, uh, documentary without really having dug into the surface, um, you know, that, you know, that, that kind of goes backward. Right. And, you know, I mean, the other, the, I, <clears throat> so what you're saying about impact analysis and sort of, could there be another way to do this documentary that would have an even bigger impact? That's an important question. The other, you know, the other reply that I've got, one of the other replies I've gotten is, well, it's having an impact. So, you know, we need to do everything, you know, who are you to judge, who are you to criticize if it's, if it's doing, you know, if it's having some benefit, that it was worth it, and my and 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 frankly, I don't think that's true. I, I think, you know, they're 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 basically saying, they're they you know the sort of the you know the mainstream has been lying uh, nonstop, and you know everybody you know when they can say whatever they want, people will listen to them. We need to not be so uh, 
fastidious and you know we should be able you know if it's it's okay if we're fa if we play fast and loose with the facts uh, as long as we're we're gaining ground and i you know i just disagree with that uh, on a principled basis i think we should try to be as accurate as i mean what we're one of the big things that we're fighting over is the truth and if we value that and i think we do uh we can't just, you know, compromise that um, to score some points. It might be good tactics. It's terrible strategy. Right. And it, it, there's, there's a little bit that I sympathize with. I'll go ahead and say this. Um, I, I've said this before. And in fact, part of the reason that I, I call so many of my article series wars, I have like 15 or 20 different article series, you know, the, the, the X war, right? Right. Part of the reason that I title it that way is because I do believe the other side has declared war, um, not out loud. I, I believe that it is absolutely, um, and and maybe I'm wrong about this. You know, um, this definitely you, you have to get into conspiracy theory to be able to discuss it. But how else would you ever identify an you know an undeclared uh, asymmetric war? Right. Right. And so like, and that's, that's an important issue. So we should be discussing um, th there is a need to discuss what do you do in such circumstances? And yeah. there is a crowd, you know, perhaps uh, Lee Dundas. And I'm told that Stu Peters is pretty tight with her. He's interviewed her a bunch of times. Um, never asked the hard questions like, like uh, we were just talking about with the Capitol uh, protests. Um, uh, you know, uh, Ben Marble uh, seems to, you know, be interested in specifically, you know, uh, you know, going to combat, uh, whereas my view of such a conflict is um, maybe the best way out is not to go to war, is not to accept the invitation, right? Um, maybe the best way out is to, you know, let them burn out, uh, let them let, you know, if they are fighting over the scraps at the end of the dollar era, they will begin eating each other very quickly because those whom they are impoverishing as quickly as they can, do not have a prize to go after, right? And and you know soon we will find uh, you know pieces of the economy breaking down, or fewer and fewer people able to profit from it. And you know perhaps the best way to go to war is to simply build healthy community. Um, that's personally what I believe. Uh, you know that's why going going about finding the truth in sort of a calm, organized way is important. So. That's the perspective I have. Maybe somebody will talk me into, you know, maybe what we need is to take up arms. You know, millions of Americans just, you know, let's just have a civil war. You know, my thought is always all the people who want to do that, let's just carve out, you know, 100 square miles in Montana and just let both sides go at it. Just just burn yourselves out. Right. Just, just get that aggression out. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, some something is something very large is going on. Um. I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you. I mean, it def if you step back and, and, and look at, you know, and sort of think about it, if, if we accept the, 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 the conclusion that these excess deaths are caused by the vaccine and that it was part of a, of a military program, which all indications point to the answers to that being yes and yes, it's it, it it is it's it's a war. I mean, the governments of the world have, have are waging war on the people. Um, I, I I accept that that basic framework. 
Um, uh, and it was interesting that uh, Robert Malone posted today about the, yeah, something you've talked a lot about, fifth generation warfare. And, you know, they go through the different generations of war warfare where fourth generation is essentially asymmetric kinds of guerrilla type uh, conflicts like long lasting simmering conflicts like here in Israel, for example. Um, and fifth generation is 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 this informational sort of warfare but I mean, there were many interesting things that are he was quoting from somebody who written a, a manual about it or, or some kind of analysis of it that i thought was very interesting uh because it it, it it jibbed with a lot of things i've been observing so one of the things that they were talking about was sort of manipulating people's identities their group affiliations um to kind of get them to behave in a, in a particular way and you you can see that very clearly just for example in the way that there's in the u.s at least the dis the entire discourse around everything related to COVID has been totally you know drawn on partisan lines uh, uh and 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 it's very very effective because if you're if you're let's let you know let's let our you know, if you're at some top top level power waging war on the people, right? You, if they're divided against each other, they're never you 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 have your best chance of winning because uh, they're gonna be busy fighting each other and they're never gonna you know um, bother to turn their their eyes to you. Um, and you know, you can see, there are many different other examples, I guess, about this uh, this aspect of identity manipulation, but. Yeah, uh, information warfare. So we're, you know, we're fighting a guerrilla information war in a sense, right? So fourth generation warfare is like guerrilla warfare with arms. Right now we're in a, in a guerrilla fighting situation with, with, with information um, and perception and all of those things. And it's, I don't, you know, and they're fighting it, right? They're censoring, they're doing all kinds of things and they, and you know, sending in these chaos agents, right, to, to mix things up. It, it... Yeah, and for, for anybody watching out there, I don't know how many people have um, have read some of my chaos agents articles or have, or know what a chaos agent is. Um, I, I don't even remember how I got that term in my mind, but I'm not the only person who's used it. So I'll go ahead and mention that. I don't know if it came from the Themis report or prior to that, but there's uh, a woman named Patricia Rodriguez and she has multiple aliases. She goes by uh, Carolina Galvan, Carolina Benita. Uh, she actually was just, you know, hosting some sort of an event uh, in in San Juan that, you know, some sort of a, I don't, I don't know, like pushing back sort of event. You know, doctors were invited. There were a number of doctors on a flyer for it, and and my understanding is she's put doctors on flyers who, you know, without their permission, you know, to to draw them to to draw them um, into it. I've seen a number, uh, I've been in chat channels and I've seen screenshots from other chat channels. Uh, uh, and, and I think Dr. Malone might've, you know, posted one in one of his more recent articles, but people saying, you know, I'm not involved with this person, you know, uh, <clears throat> but this person in the Themis report, um, the claim is this person and two others have helped organize like telegram groups. Um, they, they kind of try to take control of a movement farm people out into different communities, like have like a national community, like call it whatever you want, you know, let's call it um, uh, medical freedom movement uh, brand X, 
right? Because there are, there are a whole bunch of these organizations. Uh, so Medical Freedom Movement Brand X. And so people, people are reaching out, looking for something, some way to be involved or some way to at least be in contact and, you know, watch the chatter and learn, right? So um, this group of people would would farm people out into state organizations and then have, you know, when you've got all these subgroups and you've got bots managing a lot of it, then you have control over, you know, how the information flows through these channels. And, you know, that, that would be an example. And, you know, I, you know, I know somebody who uh, hired uh, a, a private investigator um, who has dealt with intelligence issues to examine this person in particular, find out, you know, where are they getting their funding from? Um, I don't know if we'll ever know the results of that report, but could be, could have intelligence contacts, could be a corporate agent. One, one thing that people don't know about as much is that just like there is a CIA, corporations hire agents, right? Um, intelligence agents aren't, aren't simply the province of national governments. And, we, and there's probably more of this that goes on than people know. Uh, you don't get as much of a history of it. You don't have, you know, archives in a library of Congress talking it through. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I think that's one of the most important reasons why, um, and it's a complex story, but that's, that's why I don't think people should go to the Stu Peters network to be getting the story or the news or, or whatever, because I think that you're going into, uh, an, you know, an atmosphere where, you know, whether or not he is a chaos agent and, you know, I, I have a lot of concerns about him on multiple levels. Uh, you know, some of them I've expressed in, in my articles, um, but you know, the people he brings on, you know, may have their own agendas also. And if we're talking about the difference between, you know, uh, being able to step aside and let this, you know, whoever it is who wants to go to war, you know, uh, there may be multiple parties in the deep state itself who, who, you know, all the bureaucrats, people in the military, um, everywhere, you know, they, they may be fighting for control over what's going on. And there, there may be people in the public who want to join that battle. But I think that that really and truly all of those people who want to join the battle, um, and then there's the rest of us. And to join, you know, to pick sides and to join a battle, even if that side expresses your intellectual opinion, even when they do, that's the mistake, I think. Um. <clears throat> I, there's a couple things, uh, just a quick diversion that I, I found interesting. Carl Nathan Johnson in the chat earlier said, shout out to HUJI, shout out to UBC, shout out to WSTL. Now, I wasn't sure what that meant. Later on, he clarified. It was Washington University in St. Louis. There you go. That's Honestly, I, I don't know why I... I don't know why I said that, just because I got a degree from Hebrew U where Josh is, got a degree from Matthew's alma mater, and spent a semester at UBC like Liam. So I just thought that's that's just cool, right? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting connection, though. I'll mention, uh, I, I, I guess we can't really call it my alma mater mm. because uh, I, I left my junior year to go to Wall Street. Well, there you go. Now, the second thing I wanted to bring up, just while I have you guys here, have you heard the buzz about a little something called catastrophic contagion? Um, no. What does this refer to? Good question. So over the weekend, I received messages going, ah, they're doing it again. Get ready. And I thought, what are you talking about? Well, when you Google catastrophic contagion, looks like a lot of people have been. Oh, right. It's a new, uh, it was the latest uh, pandemic um, drill or whatever. 
Yes, <coughs> and apparently a lot of people are looking into it because look at that. It looks like the results below are changing quickly where Google now, of course, basically, uh. I think I think following uh, Malone's appearance on Rogan when he mentioned mass formation psychosis i think that was the first time that this message appeared anyway i've actually downloaded the video do you mind if i just show you a quick highlight reel go for it and then get your perspective let's see if we can do this Officials in two Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region, Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend uh, would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in the country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. We cannot decide a lot of things without the leaders be involved and agree on that. There is no substitute for national leadership. It's important to support the local response or the national response. Training those that are in these areas first, enabling them with the tools, protecting them, and if needs be, regional solidarity first. At this stage, communication is key, and communication should include not just scientists with data, but also social, religious, and political leaders. Trust. This is an essential issue, and trust was broken among countries, between populations and healthcare systems, between healthcare systems and governments. I'm very sorry to say that in uh, 2025, we need to strengthen the health system. WHO needs to be a voice for the voiceless. No one is safe until all of us are safe. As of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide, with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness and response teams, which conducted detailed operational planning and routinely tested those plans through exercises and drills. If more countries had participated and heeded the guidance, the toll might have been much less. Uh, I don't know. I take I take that as a bit of a, a threat. I, I don't like the way she said that. But you know what I think this is. I, I think that this this type of tabletop game tabletop gaming exercise where people are brought in, um, sort of like mock Congress. Uh, if if you guys ever uh, yeah, like Model United that, Nations is another model. one. Uh, but what I think that they're doing is studying. They're bringing in actual people who represent leaders in their societies. And I think they want to know how those people are going to talk and what issues they have. And that helps them plan the next event. Yeah. 
I don't know because I don't know how much those people are. I mean, it, everything that everybody said sounded extremely scripted. So scripted and cheap and sort of half-assed. I don't know. I mean, it made me nauseous to see that, and it, nobody's learned. You know, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to watch that because. Yeah, especially if they are, you know, if 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 it is a portends something on the horizon, you know. Um, well, the, you know, the track record is concerning. The last exercise, and I think there are a lot more of these than than we often talk about. And we have to be careful because anything that's so public like this is is meant for us to see, uh, and right. it's unclear what that means. Event two hundred one preceded a very real situation in March twenty twenty one. There was a monkeypox scenario that then strikingly accurately predicted the the very week-long period in which monkeypox would allegedly arise. So I don't like that they said that 20 million people are going to die, 15 million of which are children. I don't like that it was mostly African leaders there. African, you know, African nations largely being untouched by COVID. Um, I don't like that uh, Awa Marie Kolsek is there. She's a board member of Gavi. Um... You got Bill Gates as an active participant on this one, which is unprecedented. So it may be nothing. I think it's interesting and notable that it's happened. Why it's notable is unclear. Uh, well, it's interesting because, it, you know, the, one of the, the key thing that w- the, the person said uh, that, well, what we learned from this is that the people who were prepared for it ahead of time did the best. And, you know, Bill Gates is, is recently had a, a ghost written book published under his name uh, about, uh, you know, um, his plan for the next pandemic or whatever. I forget what the name of the book was, whatever it was. Yeah. Preventing and that, and that was basically part of his plan that you need to create these, you know, it, actually for him, it was like this worldwide group that would, you know, do get involved in this. But it sounds like partly what they're doing is, is they're doing this to promote his agenda. Yeah. So I don't know. <clears throat> I guess it's relevant in that we've got we're talking about one um fairly well produced uh piece of media in in died suddenly and asking questions about it and then conversely you've got these these events that are also well produced that have their own agenda that is not clear. Um and it's it's interesting to me that like it is not clear who is acting with good intentions and who's acting with with very uh, either bad intentions or highly personal intentions? Um, mm-hmm. I guess it, it, it is. I mean, if you know, they talk about the fog of war. Well, the fog of an information war is is that you just don't know what you know. It, you 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 want to know what's true, and it's extremely difficult. And that you know, the people who are behind it the last thing they want is for you to be able to see through it and to be able to see who, who they are. I mean, I don't even know. We can talk about them. I don't, you know, we don't even know exactly who we're even talking about. Who are we fighting against or who's fighting, you know, who's fighting against us? Who's who's declared war on this? I appreciate, you know, Matthew, like your, your skepticism about the clots, I think is, is warranted. Uh, It could be, you know, it could be a deception. There is something that I think, you know, we talk about you know chaos agents or controlled opposition, and it's important to be aware of that. That, but 
there is a problem because just the idea of controlled opposition can have us turning on each other. Um, and there was, you know, it's very easy to, to kind of jump, you know, if somebody disagrees with you or you think they're wrong or whatever, it's very easy to jump and say, ah, you're just controlled opposition or they, if they have a history that looks like somebody, you know, they came out of the CIA or whatever. And it's, it's all fine and good to be circumspect and careful and cautious, but we do have to, you know, I, 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 what I said when I started really throwing myself into this was, you know what, I, I'm really not going to, I don't, I know I could point at many different people and say, I think they're controlled opposition. And what I said was, as long as they agree with me on the, the, the key parts, as long as we seem to be fighting uh, on the same side, I'm going to, I'm going to ally with them. I'm going to not worry about whether they're controlled opposition or not, because it's, it, you know, it's an all hands on deck situation. And if we start pointing fingers at each other, we're going to self-destruct. Um, so I, I actually, I, I'm going to push back on that. Um, I, I think okay. that, I think that um, the controlled opposition is actually an interesting thing because uh, a limited hangout implies that a person has a whole lot of truth to share. Right. I think that what people need to do is separate vectors, right? Like, what is the truth? And then also, who is this person? So that when they begin speaking truth along a different lines, we're able to step back and say, you know what, uh, there, there is also a narrative here that is aside from the truth. And if different people are spinning different narratives, then we have to sort through the different narratives and decide which one is you know, closest to a reality framework that we are trying to build. <clears throat> and ultimately, that, that framework Right, the scaffolding with which we view uh, all this knowledge, with which with which we put it together into a tapestry, into a castle, uh, our knowledge castle. I, I think that that's very important. So I think that like the people who do ask the question, uh, you know, whether or not uh, uh, Doctor Malone is fully trustworthy, I think I think that he should accept the fact that it is a good idea and necessary for people to vet him. Right. In fact, you know, the fact that he has worked with the DOD, right, we all of this that we're in, we, we know that the DOD started planning, you know, tabletop war simulations on an economic financial level back in 2008. Uh, I say we know this, but, you know, we, we, we have congressional testimony from James Rickards in 2009 that he was involved and then he published a best-selling book about about those tabletop games. Um, we, we know that the military banking complex is involved and maybe that that is even like the larger structure over all of this pandemic. After all, you know, the world's financial system is the biggest prize in the world. You know, if you're playing for all the chips, that's what you're talking about. And, and that, that explains why it is that the DOD would or could be involved in something like this. And when you think about the timeline, when you think about, you know, 2007, uh, the mortgage bond goes, uh, mortgage bond crisis. Um, that whole market goes awry. Um, suddenly there is, you know, uh, toxic, there's poison in the entire financial system. Uh, it is contagious. Even if you try to hide all of that in the Fed, um, you know, all that does is means that you have, you know, th that your central banks can all blow up at once, right? That the entire, you know, world banking system would blow up together. That's all that means, right? Um, while people get to go about their their daily financial lives as if as if that was all taken off the table. It wasn't. Um, that's still the money that's being created or that had been created. Um, 
you know, when, when we think about the timeline, it certainly looks like this is the military banking complex. Um, you know, seeing a moment where the world is shifting and making a play. So I, I, I think that, that asking these questions, saying who's associated with what is important because we have to figure out people's motivations and some of the narrative unwinding uh, where we can, we, and we can all be fooled by narratives. There is nobody who's ever been smart enough to, to sift through everything. Nobody has that much time and attention. Um, so yeah, we, we have to ask the question. Now, I, one thing that I want to do with my articles going forward, I can't write them fast enough because there's so much information. It just keeps flooding. There's so many people. Um, like to me, I would like to be able to point at somebody like, you know, Patricia Rodriguez and say, there's a whole lot of research on this person, right? The, the, right. There's so much there that, that labeling them as a potential chaos agent seems very reasonable to me. On the other hand, somebody like Dr. Malone, um, asking questions and documenting their history seems important, but there, is, there isn't uh, anything like a moment during the pandemic that I can think of or point to. I mean, pe people, there, there are people who, who argue that he's pushing things in the wrong direction. And I, I have disagreed with him on some things. When, when we spoke together uh, with the Honolulu City Council, I didn't like the fact that he said uh, these vaccines are working as expected. Uh, I, I don't believe that the evidence is there or was there ever um, to be able to say that concretely. Uh, I think that's giving up way too much ground to say, I want to stop these for children. You know, it's not just a risk benefit analysis level. It's a, it's a, you know, we don't even know what these things do. We don't even know what's in the vials, <laughs> you know, um, much less anything else. Um, so, you know, people should view everything coming from everyone and who they are as, as a bigger picture. That's important. You don't, you don't ignore your friend's character. Sure. Sure. I agree, but it's, very easy to jump the gun on. I mean, yeah, you want to be circumspect. You want to be careful. You want to vet your information. It is, you know, but people can be wrong and they're just wrong. And exactly, you know, exactly. Or they can have a narrative that you disagree with or you think is the wrong narrative, but that doesn't mean necessarily that they're doing it. You know, it's a deliberate, a deliberate thing. And my feeling is that if we want to, if we want to err on one side or the other, I would err on the side of like less caution or giving people the benefit of the doubt um, because because we'll eat ourselves alive. Otherwise, you know, it's very easy to become paranoid and, and you know, we <laughs> we have reason to be. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's my where I'm on that at this point. You're right. We don't want people to become paranoid. We don't we don't want we don't want unnecessary finger pointing. And one thing that I've seen, and you know, very few of these, there's several organizations. Uh, and I think you probably have seen enough of this, Josh, that you know what I'm saying. A lot of the organizations behind the scenes all point fingers at each other. Mm. Uh, and and it's interesting, they, they are collecting intelligence on each other. Uh, and this is within the medical freedom movement. And okay, I haven't seen that. Well, I did a little bit, but people, but it's people collecting information to make a case that this for this group set of people is, you know, right. Like, and it, it, it's it's unclear, you know, what the ante is or how that ball got rolling. 
right? Um, I think that, that the best way to do this is to do it calmly, keep an open mind, have discussion. It's just like science, right? It's just like science. Uh, and, and even though in science we talk about uh, a hypothesis, um, maybe it is it is better to talk about like mental frameworks with, with which we view certain sets of information and even do things like train, like scientists train themselves about where they've been fooled by a hypothesis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that those of us who are examining what's going on, who the players are, we should also uh, train ourselves to remember the times that we were wrong. That's important, and that's where you that's where you keep yourself from you know stepping into paranoid land where your actions matter once once you have an excited state where you might be paranoid, but you like we absolutely must must document because we do live in hist we do live in a world where history has been shaped by agents coming in and changing the movements you know jp morgan sending his own agents to the bolshevik revolution you know yeah. uh you know, going in and hijacking or attempting to hijack the civil rights movements you know yeah well you know people don't uh, most people realize you know the role that the cia played and back, you know, throughout the, I mean, they're still playing it today, but in terms of uh, control over the media, uh, and this has all been documented, right? Um, control, you know, the, the, the CIA was behind the, the creation and promotion of, of modern art and uh, the 20th century literature. There are books that have been written about this, the cultural Cold War. Finks, uh, the mighty Wurlitzer that showed how the CIA was basically through these, you know, cut out organizations and foundations, just funneling money into labor organizations and civil rights groups and women's group, you know, I mean, um, LSD, and, the free love movement. Yeah. And what, what, what you hear all the time is that, well, they, they did, they put, they paid them for whatever reason to promote anti-communism but they they never really had control over them and they always went rogue or there was blowback or whatever and i'm very skeptical of that story that part of the story but but you know this isn't to to to, to say that these types of movements and people can't be bought just flies in the face of established history i mean <laughs> it's not a fanciful conspiracy theory Right. So um, and keep keep your total trust networks small uh, and close to you. Right. It's best to have uh, when it comes to high trust, you don't need to have high trust to it for any one individual, whether it's, you know, Ryan Cole or me or Dr. Malone or Peter McCullough or Bobby Kennedy. Um, for every person that you don't know uh, that, you, you know, you, that's not part of your tight network. Uh, you should keep open question marks. You should be discerning with your trust. You should look at it on the line of multiple vectors, right? Um, multiple ways they might be telling the truth or have interests or be confused or in- interests that they may or may not even know how guides them. We all have that, right? Yeah. Like we, we all have these sets of predispositions, biases, trained habits. Um, you know, that that's one way to view things. On the other hand, there will be a few people who will be you know, very high probability, uh, yeah. if not absolutely right. identifiable as chaos yeah. agents. Some people stick out like a sore thumb. 
And, uh, yeah, and you've identified a, a number of them, I think, very convincingly. Uh, listen, I got to get going. Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for you know, sharing your, your thoughts and your time. Um, you know, this is one of those conversations that is probably more important than it's than the the amount of it that's happening. So, you know, big thank you from rounding the earth. Yes, thank you. And is there anywhere else? Uh, your Substack, jackanapes.substack.com is there. We recommend everybody, if you haven't yet gone and check it out, subscribe. And of course, uh, you can support Josh by becoming a paid subscriber. I think everyone understands that at this point. Is there anywhere else we can direct people who want to see more of your work or connect with you? Well, I'm I'm on Twitter, at joshg99. Um, and I share a lot of different stuff, a lot of retweets of of things and other information that doesn't necessarily make it on my sub stack. Um, but yeah, that's it. Those are really the two, the two main channels. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Josh. So uh, yeah, we recommend people go there. And if you want to see more of rounding the earth, of course, now we are all in on this locals um, uh, community we've started www.roundingtheearth.locals.com and become either a free member of the community which is priority number one or you can get a free month of premium support for our behind the scenes discussions uh, on topics that aren't quite yet ready for public discussion if you use promo code RTEDEC2022 in the meantime Matthew anything else we want to plug or uh, or cover or summarize before we wrap up no, I, one of the other things I like about locals is sometimes I I may not write an article about a topic or I may not be the best writer, so I avoid it, right? Um, but yeah, sometimes when I if I read a scientific paper or I read an article that, that goes through several, um, I may uh, you know just drop that in that channel, whereas it wouldn't be part of my Substack often, right? So um, that that's another reason why I like having locals is because the like there's no way in the world any of us can write a tenth of or you know one percent of what needs to be written about um but we can share other people's content you know uh, I, I shared some uh johnny vedmore content uh, uh i love his pieces um uh he, he, he's sort of a few but right guy uh, yeah. and i love his story in general uh whitney webb who's been covering um aspects uh of you know really and it connects to this whole global you know, banking system and the military banking complex, uh, she doesn't necessarily always write about the full set of connections or that might bring us into the pandemic um, that, that might connect the two. But she's she's so deeply laid out a lot of the picture of the puzzle in, in one area. Right. Yes. And, and even and even provided some connections in other areas. So, you know, I, I can share those there. We can share those there um, and, and lots of other great content. So I'm, I'm digging it. I kind of, you know, I wish they would let us stream for longer at a time just directly there. But, you know, we're, we're sorting these issues out. We're getting there. That's right. Platform limitations. And that's that's what's happening when you have to create new entire platforms around these other censorship ones. Um, and, and there's going to come a point where I'm just going to be critical of some of the platforms. But Locals has been a wonderful thing for us to be able to curate content. We've talked about ways in which we might be able to do that even more. Some more to come there. And of course, you, the community members, we learn a lot from you. And that's where Locals is your platform as 
well. It's not something that Matthew or Matthew and I have full uh, control over what gets posted or shared. There's lots of great stuff that the community shares uh, with us and with you there as well. So um, yeah, thank you so much, guys. I have been Liam Sturgis. That has been Matthew Crawford. And we have got, um, I've got part four of my examining effective altruism piece coming this Friday, where we're going to get to who is this Peter Singer guy who appears to have been the inspiration behind virtually all of these kids, uh, including William McCaskill over in the United Kingdom and Carrie Tuna, uh, Dustin Moskowitz's wife and their stuff here. Also, we didn't even talk about it, but SBF uh, Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX has been arrested in the Bahamas because the U.S. is apparently about to bring criminal charges. So I can't even believe we didn't touch on that. Much more to come this week is my point. Thank you so much. www.writingtheearth.locals.com. Subscribe wherever it is you're watching. We'll see you later. Mm -hmm.